in the Garden of Eden, we all know the story, Adam and Eve sinned, and then they hid themselves because of shame. And that kind of shame happens when someone is caught in an addiction to anything, but especially to pornography. Shame can um, prompt someone to run and hide. I'm John Fuller, joined by Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin. They co-lead our marriage department, and Greg, you have encountered a number of men um, who have wanted to hide because of the shame of this kind of a struggle, particularly with pornography. Yeah, we see this all the time. I think because men, most men, just hate to feel failed. And so I don't want Aaron to see any way that I've messed up or that I'm weak. That's why that that verse in Second Corinthians twelve nine, where it's talking about, you know, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. When I read that, it's almost beyond understanding that what? what? Why would I boast in in an area that I'm weak in or that I've messed up in? And that's and I think it's. Because of that, I think men tend to isolate. We think we can do it on our own. So if it comes to confessing a weakness, an addiction like pornography, that's just, it's really, really difficult for the average guy. Yeah. Before we go any further, if you are struggling, if this is touching um, something in your life, either because you're using porn or you found out your spouse is, uh, let us know, please. Call us and talk to one of our counselors. Our donor community makes it possible for caring Christian counselors to be here for you. Now, they have regular hours. Uh, they often have a queue of people trying to uh, to get connected with them. But we'll get your number. We'll have them call you back. It'll be about a 20-minute phone consultation. It's free. And our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. Okay, with that, let's go ahead and hear from Rosie McKinney, who rejoins Jim Daly and me to share about how a couple can overcome this kind of a struggle in marriage. Rosie, welcome back to Focus on the Family. Thank you. It's great to be back. Um, We said this throughout the program last time. It's just such a difficult topic. We hit the number of Christian men that are affected. Uh, It's, you know, kind of stunning to think about it. Something like 78% of men and 55% of married men, particularly. So these are high numbers within the church. Um, and the world's about the same number. So, you know, obviously this is an area of our hearts that we're not letting the Lord reign over and we're covering it up. You know, I I was thinking last time, Rosie, um, certainly on parenting programs, little boys, we have an issue with shame. We don't like being caught. We are, you know, we respond very hard to shame to the point where you can't even look at your mom's eyes when you're caught, right? And I know that um, particularly um, women psychologists, Christians, have talked about that. You don't force your boy to look you in the eye. Let them mull that over. And I think in this topic, it's that same little boy that is so ashamed of what they're doing. And it's hard for them to admit it. It's hard for them to ask for help. They're lost in essence. And it gives me tears even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. They're just still that little boy that doesn't know what to do. He yeah. doesn't even know how to ask for help. And yeah. uh, you really covered that yesterday with how addiction works and what these men are facing. And here's the thing. That shame is driving the pornography. Mm. It's a coping mechanism. It's managing what's happening on the outside in order to manage what's happening on the inside. 
And so you're absolutely right. And it's a vicious cycle because the more they do it, the more ashamed they are, the more ashamed they are, the more they have to do it. And it just goes round and round and round, which is why we women have to be really brave and stand up and throw them a lifeline because quite often we're the only ones who knows it's happening because you can't see it. Can I go back? I mean, we touched on this last time, but I want to go a little deeper to that response we talked about. When all of those instincts a woman has about her husband come to reality, boom, now I know, either through his confession or what have you, you found it, what, whatever, that emotion that's in you. I, for some women, this is the dagger. This is the one thing that is betrayal to me. It's putting a knife right through my heart emotionally. And I'm not enough. All those things that a woman is going to think. Let's revisit that initial response and the good things that you can do in that moment and perhaps the harmful things you can do. Hit it. I'm really glad that you've gone there. You're absolutely right. 75% of wives of porn addicts think at some point it's their fault. We really do. Mm. And the reason that it's that dagger, that it really just guts us, is because it's a rupture in an attachment with your primary attachment figure. So it doesn't matter that they might not be physically acting out with somebody. To our brain, we still register it as a primal survival threat. My primary source of attachment there's now a massive rupture because I have now discovered that our entire life together has been based on a lie. Uh. It's not just the behavior. That's bad enough. The thought of it is just horrific, but it's the deception. It's like you, you suddenly your entire history has just been upended. Dr. Jake Porter uses this fantastic analogy of a filing cabinet which is where you make sense of things and it's how you're able to predict the future and feel safe because by looking at the the past, you're able to predict the future. But what happens when your past has just been ripped up and thrown all over the floor? You feel absolutely unsafe. It it really does register as a primal threat to your survival, which is why women have, you know, women of porn addicts report the same symptoms as veterans, the same PTSD symptoms, which is astonishing. And so for all those people who go, what a wife doesn't know doesn't hurt her. It's like, no, you cannot build intimacy on deception because the wife, even before she knows what's going on, she knows on a bodily level that Mm. something is wrong. And that betrayal trauma is real. Her brain is as addled by the trauma of this deception as his brain is addled by the addiction and this, you know, his, uh, the way he has rerouted his brain now to cope with anything by using pornography. They are both in crisis. Right. They're both dysfunctional. They're both. And um, so often in the past, historically, we have labeled um, the wife as codependent because she's, she's angry, she's snooping, she's doing all these things. But now, fortunately, um, we look at everything through a trauma lens. There is a reason why you are constantly asking questions. So if your husband's just disclosed that actually, yeah, I have got a problem with pornography or whatever it is he's disclosing, normally when you experience something traumatic, your brain goes, I don't want to think about that anymore. But when it's betrayal, your brain goes, 
well, hang on a minute, I now need to establish safety. I need to work out all the details. And they ask questions again and again and again and again. And that gets labeled as dysfunction and you need to stop doing that. And it's like, she needs to do that. So this is why she needs help. He needs help. Yeah. He's not willing to get help, but she can. Erin Rosie addressed how shame can fuel a pornography addiction. Uh, you spend a lot of time counseling people. I'm sure that pornography is one of the main things mm-hmm. that you have to deal with. How do you help someone let go of the shame mm-hmm. and embrace grace? Yeah, it's so important to differentiate between shame and guilt or conviction. Okay. My, my original supervisor would always say, oh, no, 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 not shame. We don't want them to go down the shame road. As Christians, we shouldn't be feeling that. And I'm like, but we do. But it's helping people differentiate between guilt and conviction, which is I've done something wrong versus shame. I'm a terrible person because of what I did. And, you know, so often when people come in and they're confessing something, you know, an addiction to pornography or an affair or they've done something, you know, it's just so freeing to go, hey, listen, just because you did that, yeah, sure, that's probably wasn't the right righteous decision to make, but it doesn't make you a terrible person. Hmm. And it brings so much like relief to them because I think we get that confused. I can remember there was a young gal that I was sitting with and I could just tell something deeper was going on. And I will never forget as she recognized just saying it out loud. And so we encourage people like bring it into the light. So this young gal said it out loud that she had had a full-blown affair And she was not going to tell anybody. She said, I'm taking it to my deathbed is what Mm -hmm. she told me after the fact. But the minute she said it out loud, the peace that swarmed over her because she brought it into the light. And so A, recognizing the difference between guilt and shame, conviction and shame, and also bringing it into the light so it's not kept inside just brewing and, you know, you start thinking poorly of yourself and saying terrible things to yourself and behaving, you know, withdrawing from people and community because you're so full of shame. Say it out loud to save people, to someone who's trustworthy, who mm-hmm. you can trust that this is what's going on. This is what I've done, but it is not who I am. And I, I my prayer for anyone who's sitting there going, this is me, that you say it to someone who's so safe that they look at you and say, and that is not who you really are. Hmm. Well, I I so appreciate uh, the way that you framed all that, and I want to just affirm what I said earlier, and that is we have caring Christian counselors here. They would be a great place for you to share uh, if you don't have a trusted counselor or friend or pastor in your life. Don't go on social media. Uh, don't, Don't just randomly bring something up talk to one of our counselors. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family, and we'll schedule a free consultation for you. And find more hope from Rosie McKinney in her book, Fight for Love. Uh, We're making that available for a gift of any amount to the ministry of Focus on the Family, either uh, a monthly pledge, which is super helpful for us, or a one-time gift, which is also deeply appreciated. Uh, Support the ministry, and we'll say thanks by sending Fight for Love Uh, details are in the show notes. We'll have more from Rosie next time. And uh, for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for joining us for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. Mm -hmm.